This is Michael Dolce, host of the Secrets of the Sire podcast, talking comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. So when it was first announced that Damon Lindelof was going to be making a spinoff slash sequel to the beloved graphic novel Watchmen, I have to admit I was skeptical when I found out he was tailoring it to today's fractured racial divide to make it feel contemporary. I was dubious at best. Now, after watching the first episode, I can honestly say I am hooked. Uh, But it didn't happen until a good 24 hours after I saw the show. Sure, the show was pretty cool, actually. The tone, the tempo, and we'll get into it a little later in the show today, was pretty slick and intriguing. Uh, But no, it was actually the opening scene, which, forgive my ignorance, I thought was part of an alternate version Earth, because that's the backdrop of Watchmen in the comics, turning out to be a recreation of the Tulsa riots, an actual event that took place in 1921, that I can assure you was never taught in schools, I have to say, that really hit me. For all my griping, uh, and I've done it in past shows about today's generation mining history, most recent history for fake outrage these days, uh, this opening scene was certainly not in that class. Uh, It did what great art is supposed to do. It enlightens, it educates, it shines a light on something we may not have known and are horrified to learn that it did happen. It gets us researching and thinking and talking. It's everything great art is supposed to do. Bravo, Mr. Lindelof. That Trent Reznor score didn't hurt either. Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by the Superhero Tour of New York City. Discover where your favorite superheroes save the day on the Super Tour of New York City. Receive 10% off with the code SECRETS at checkout. That's S-E-C-R-E-T-S. Go to secretsofthesire.com slash onlocation. Secrets of the Sire starts now. Secrets of the Sire. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night. 8 p.m. Eastern on the Sire Studios Digital Network, youtube.com slash Sire Studios, facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire, twitch.tv slash Secrets of the Sire. Uh, tonight, uh, Jared Leto trashes the Joker. We do Truth or Trash for the episode nine final trailer. Should you watch The Watchmen? And Kevin Feige rules Marvel. Uh, before we go into anything more, The Sire, which is our namesake of the show, is on Indiegogo right now. A uh, really cool event happened last Thursday. Uh, the Sire debuted uh, on Evil. It was a very quick, blink if you miss it, uh, cameo appearance by the awesome artwork, uh, awesome pinup by Andrew Mangum and Gene Jimenez. So turned it into the Sire Evil variant. It's on Indiegogo right now. You can go to sirestudiosinc.com slash evil, and it'll take you to the campaign. Just trying to raise 500 bucks to print up some uh, variants of the Sire Volume 2 trade with that as the cover, plus some bonus material as well. Uh, go check it out. I am your host, Michael Dolce, joined as ever by my co-host, Mr. Hassan Godwin, Lord of the live stream. How you doing, sir? Yeah. Let me ask you, let me ask you, more excited for the Episode 9 trailer or the Watchmen series like before we actually saw it on Sunday? Gotta say episode nine, um, yeah. because does it does it? Uh, are we gonna tickets? Tickets are going 
like crazy we, apparently. Are we, according are we to going you. full uh full disclosure? Because I didn't even know the Watchmen was debuting. <laughs> I, I knew it was debuting, and then and then I forgot it was debuting, and then I wasn't excited for it. Also, Mr. Robot started. Someone told me. Um, oh, I think it's the final Robot season for, season, for that yeah, too. Season four, I think. Yeah. Season four or five, I think it's four. Um, and I didn't. I didn't even know about that. Thing. So yeah, I'm I'm completely out of the loop. Yeah. I watched uh, Impulse season two over the weekend. So that was what I. That's oh uh, okay that's yeah yeah, I yeah. Was that was that a, yeah yeah I got you. Um. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, episode. I'd like to see the trailer. I, I'm, I'm dying to see something from this new movie um, that gets me excited to go see it. I am obligated to go see it because I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I've been there since day one. Yeah. And, well, not day one, but the 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 the, the premiere of uh, Episode Four back when it was called Star Wars mm-hmm. back in 1977. And I am that old, and I'm all right with it. Um, and I want to see how it all ends, how it comes to an end. I'm, you know, going with a bunch of friends who are all, all of us were there in the beginning. We will all be there at the end, you know, God yeah. willing. <laughs> um, so I am, I'm, I'm just, I just need them to show me some stuff that gets me excited. I, a lot so of people, will... including myself, yeah. have this notion or f- feeling from the end of The Last Jedi that's like, well, what's, they didn't really leave it on a on a on a kind of cliffhanger that made you excited to see what right. was going to happen next. So, um, I mean, look, the the visuals I've seen so far have been pretty spectacular, but visuals are not hard these days. I mean, they yeah. are very hard, but they're not hard. Um, we will we will we will give our trailer truth or trash. I'm not going second. into what I think about the trailer. You asked All me right. a particular question. About oh, I got you. I, I got you. Okay. Or not. Okay. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we will go into if it. Wanna, if you want to move on, we'll move on. I just, I, I just, I just, I had asked you which you were, which one were you, you did, didn't excited you? for? Yeah, and I was explaining to you, but I felt like I felt like you much. were tipping your hand. How as can to, I tip my hand as to, to whether this was a truth or trash for the trailer, which we will get to next segment right now? How could I? All right, okay. we will get into our sire bites. Brought to you by On Location Tours. Discover where your favorite superheroes save the day. On the Super Tour of New York City, you'll see over 40 filming locations for movies and TV shows like The Avengers, Spider-Man, and Jessica Jones. Receive 10% yeah, off. They're cutting code me off to make time for this. Secrets <laughs> at checkout. S-E-C-R-E-T-S at checkout. Heroes, comics, and more. All right. Joker approaching R-rated record. The Warner Brothers pick, this is according to Hollywood Reporter, directed by Todd Phillips and starring Joaquin Phoenix as well on its way to becoming the top-grossing R-rated film of all time at the global box office, not adjusted for inflation. Deadpool is the current record holder uh, with $783 million in worldwide ticket sales. Through Sunday, Joker's global total stands at $737.5 million after three weekends in release. The film is expected to take in ultimately close to 900 million globally. Some even think it is a shot of approaching $1 billion. One person who's not happy about this is Jared Leto. (laughs) This also recently came out uh, over the weekend. Jared Leto fumed over Joker, tried to cancel it, 
Kim Masters reports that the actor who played the Joker in Suicide Squad was furious after learning about the standalone film. When the Oscar-winning actor learned of the Todd Phillips project, he not only complained bitterly to his agents at CAA, who also represent Phillips, but asked his music manager, Irving Azoff, to call the leader of Warner's parent company. Um, it's unclear whether it was Jeff Bukes or AT&T's Randall Stevenson, depending on the timing, to cancel it. The idea was to get Warner's to kill the Phillips film. Can't say you blame him. I don't even know why that's a story because I mean, that's, they did the same thing with flash when the flash was going to be in, uh, Batman versus in, Superman. Oh, you know, and, and we already had a flash TV show that was in its second or third season by then. I think it's second season. Right. And they were like, well, you know, and they're not, they're not incorporating that, that Barry mm-hmm. Allen into the movies and whatever. And they were like, this is an unfairness to, I mean, this is, this is, this happens. Now, the, the differences between Jared Leto and, I mean, this, these are two movie jokers, yeah. which I myself think is ridiculous. I think the whole thing is ridiculous. I think the Joker movie, beautifully done as it is, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever mis, uh, misguided statement it's trying to make or, or wasn't trying to make or what everybody mm-hmm. thinks it's trying to make, I don't know. I don't see how it... Uh, I, I see financially the 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 logic behind it. I don't see. Uh oh, you see that? I okay. don't see how it serves the the ultimate purpose of their shared universe. Um, now maybe they've given up. The DCEU has given up on trying to follow yeah, they, the Marvel they formula. They have. They've, they've I mean, they haven't officially said it, but I mean, no, maybe they have. they have. Yeah, they have. I mean, they haven't, like, there's not like a... Oh, no, I think in press releases, they pretty much alluded to the fact that they don't care anymore. They, they haven't said it then. If they've alluded to it, then they haven't said it. Um, so, I mean, like, okay. I just don't know why you would do that. Like, why would you, why would you greenlight one movie that may or may not hamstring another of your own movies? But, I mean, look, it's... it's no, I'm not. I don't make that kind of money, so I don't have to make those kinds of decisions. I mean, I think it's just funny because Jared Leto's, uh, and I, re- I read another report about this report, and they're like, maybe if he hadn't sent rats to his co-stars, you know, uh, his method acting was was not exactly, um, you know, met with a, a lot of. Uh, of but that's a, what does that got to do with anything? I mean, that's him. That's him being a quirk. I mean, if you don't, if you don't like his quirkiness, fire him. Don't right. do another movie just to just to crush him. No, no, no. Him. They, they weren't. They were But it, it was essentially his take was not received very well, and his I mean, look, off-screen I, I, behavior was not received very well. All right, fair and fair. I kind of, I kind of feel bad for him in a way because apparently but they this, shot, but, they shot but, a lot of footage with him. But here's the stupidity. Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is now, for all intents and purposes, more famous than Jared Leto's. Yes. We're never going to see his Joker. We may never see his Joker again. No. So how smart was that? Because he's not going to be in the the universe. He's not going to be in the DCEU. He's not going to be in Suicide Squad. He's not going to be in any of these other movies. Yeah, and this is, you know, the so funny thing is... And now you just lost Jared Leto, from what I understand. Sure. Because he, he quit, or he was fired. One way or the other. And it, it could be either one, the way, yeah. the way these things work. 
So now you've lost the Joker you did have. Yeah. The super famous contemporary flavor of the month Joker that we do have is is not going to submit to your your serial movie agenda. Right. So what have we gained from all that? Yeah, I, we gained I, one good movie. Thank you. That's you know that's got that's controversial and mm-hmm. you know your your mileage may vary. I you know I, I think it's a really beautiful movie. Well done. Um, I don't know if I liked it. I, we've we've already discussed it. Yeah. Um, and and we're never going to see that character again. It's kind of like a it's it's kind of the same. <clears throat> bait and switch that we had with Heath Ledger. Of course, there were there was tragedy that that caused the, the Heath Ledger. Right, thing, but watching Heath Ledger's Joker and knowing you're never going to get that Joker again. I know, I know. Is you know, so now now we we're doing the same thing again with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, who who thankfully, thank God, survived his his uh <laughs> the filming of it is still yeah. alive and can is capable of doing many more. But rightfully, you know, so for his own career in his own sanity he doesn't really want to according to what he said he wants to do more joker movies of that of that joker in the sure. universe yeah i know he, he doesn't he's want not, to be he's not crossing over yeah so he's i mean like okay over. what did we gain from that i mean we gained Nothing. we gained some consternation we got we gained the the fandom menace right who is screeching and well goodbye jerry because we didn't like you anyway and, yeah yeah and you know off you go great what do we get now you know we don't we didn't technically win anything. No. So, you know, I no. I don't I don't blame Jared. Um I think if he played it cool, he would have come out of it all. I feel like I feel like if they had shown more of his scenes, we would have gotten more meat to him. I mean, he really had such a minimal impact yeah. on Suicide Squad because he was barely there and well, he was simply that's... there to trigger Harley Quinn. There was uh, Tom. That's Hutchinson. the fault of the genre in and of itself because yeah. they should have. I mean, he should. Well, I mean, by the time the but if this was the MCU, we would have had five Joker movies out already. Right. He would have. There would have been two Joker movies of him specifically with Batman. Right. And then there would have been at least three or four where he just right. popped in. You like know, Tom Hutchinson to, to, to said, one if line you remove him from Suicide Squad, it's a better movie. And I don't disagree with that because I think there's just a lot to that where he doesn't really contribute. All right. When we come back. It's kind of tough for Tom Hulson to say. That's kind of a little mean. (laughs) Plus, a little later on in the show, who watched The Watchmen? Apparently, a lot of people did. Hi, this is Michael Dolce, host of the Secrets of the Sire podcast and creator and writer of The Sire, a superhero forced by his own costume to fight evil. It's kind of like having a spider sense, but instead of warning him of danger, it actually puts him in danger. I want to talk to you about a super cool event in the Sire world that just took place on Thursday, October 17th. My character was featured on an episode four of the hit CBS show, Evil. It featured a pinup from our most recent trade, Sire Volume 2, Lost in Time. And the artwork was by Andrew Mangum and Gene Jimenez. I got to tell you, it was one of the coolest things ever to happen to see my work featured on TV, even if it was just in the background as set dressing. So to celebrate, I thought, why not create a campaign featuring Andrew and Gene's amazing pinup as a variant cover to the original trade? It's also a 
great way to introduce the Sire to the Indiegogo community, which is something I've been wanting to do for a long time now. So if you like 90s superhero action about a guy who has no control over being a superhero and has gotten critical praise from sites like Newsarama, Comic Buyer's Guide, Wizard Magazine when it was still around, and more, then you've come to the right place. So let's celebrate the Sire's appearance on the hit show Evil on CBS, and let's welcome him to the Indiegogo community together. Thanks. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, talking comics, movies, TV, and pop culture. Just a reminder, as I you just saw the commercial, and I mentioned it last segment, that the Sire is on Indiegogo right now. Uh, go to sirestudiosinc.com slash evil, and you can check out our Sire evil variant as seen on the hit CBS TV show last week. Uh, that was my big TV news. I guess the big one uh, this past week, though, was the final trailer of Star Wars Episode Nine, and we give it our trailer, truth, or trash. Hassan, your thoughts on what you saw Monday night at halftime. A, did you, did you end up watching the football? Did you watch the ball game to, to, to sift through it? No. I did not. <laughs> Most of Twitter, uh, as, as I was um, sifting through Twitter, it was just like, wow, football. <laughs> Clearly my timeline of people uh, are your people. Are your yeah, people. I, I'm, not a, yeah. I'm not a sports guy, period. Yeah, yeah. So, as, as my physique should tell everybody. Um, they, really, they really harped on the nostalgia. They really... It, we've mentioned in previous episodes the idea of pandering and this and that. This one was a shout out to the fans. This trailer was a, was it was. Yeah, I think they had to because of, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, even the people who really like these movies have felt that there's a lot, there's a substantial amount missing from these movies in, mm -hmm. in conjunction with the other uh, two trilogies. Yeah. Um, emphasis really on the droids, emphasis on, on uh, some of the some of the keynote characters, um, definitely R two D two is completely sidelined this entire right. Trailer. You know, I mean, like literally R two was another. It was an absolute hero. He was baller in, right. the, in the first in the first two trilogy, especially in the the prequels. Yeah, where they had him flying around. I mean, a lot of people hated that, but I mean, they they had him doing like way more than he than he than he was able to do. And that's just because the CG had made it possible for them to do right. more with the but um and in this like he was under a tarp in um in the in the the, the last in the Forts Awakens and then he was kind of just on the, the yeah. Millennium Falcon to say hello to Luke in the in the last Jedi and it was like all right I understand you want to make way for BB eight Right. And new new droids and Poe Dameron's gonna have his own droid. Everybody has their own droid. That's great. But that that inherently is the problem with with these with these uh, sequel trilogies. Uh, the sequel trilogy in in of itself is that you're literally telling two stories, in that you're introducing all these new characters, but you're also telling this complete story of the second one. So yeah, and it could have been it could have yeah it could have been done. It's just 
the same argument that we were having before. It's just marketing and whatever. And when you, and when you start to design your story mm -hmm. off of how you're going to market your story, instead of designing your marketing off of the story that you've written, right. you're going to get what, you, right. what we have now. Now, look, um, I don't really like the sequels, but I am done trashing them. I don't think they're terrible movies. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're, you know, I don't think they're bad movies at all. I don't think they're Well, really I don't think The Last Jedi is very good. I don't think that was very good. I, I just don't I think know. it's a good story. I don't, my, my, I will stick to my wheelhouse. Yeah. My wheelhouse is these are not good stories. Yeah. Right? So, okay. Um, that said, the trailer looks really good. Looks really, I'm finally intrigued as to see how this all kind of wraps together. Um, there's certain <laughs> things I want to happen. Wraps up. Do, do you know what's really but. funny? What I thought was really funny in the trailer is that, like, you know, it kind of starts out with this ominous, and you got the emperor and talking about all this, you know, or, or you know, whatever it is. And there's just one scene where everyone just kind of like gets into the Millennium Falcon and just sits down. So, hey, okay. Okay. Oh, oh, <laughs> hey, what's up? Down. How you doing? Yeah, really like that. You needed that for the trailer? Like, I don't understand. Uh, yeah, no, but I'm not gonna complain. The, the, the trailer was really good. The trailer was really good. The trailer's what I had hoped for. I liked Finn um, riding a space horse. That's okay. Luke wrote a space, whatever a tauntaun was. It's okay. Oh, I, uh, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Um, they showed Rose. Rose is alive. Rose, <laughs> Rose lives. Um, that stupid Rose. She gave the one thing that Finn had going for him in Last Jedi was this wonderful arc that she ruined. Instead of letting yeah, her, they'll they'll her. pick uh, it up. I have I have a I have a strong feeling that everybody's gonna get their due in this movie because yeah. I, I think I think one of the good things about it is because there was no set story, they're they're able to course correct. You yes. know? Um and they will a, if it, it, J. Abrams to, will. To, yeah. I, I mean if it was a George Lucas story you'd be What do you think JJ Abrams what do you think JJ Abrams is reaction? If it was a George Lucas story you'd be SOL. You'd be like, he'd be like, right. I'm, not, I'm doing it what I want. I don't right. give a damn about what. What do you think J.J. Abrams' honest reaction to Last Jedi was? You know, because JJ, what J.J. Abrams basically did in Force Awakens was like, Ooh, no. I don't think he's, a, I, don't, I don't get an impression. I get the impression that J.J. Abrams, and I'll never work with him, how can I say this? Never know. Is a, is a, is a Hollywood guy. His father, I mean, he was a, he's a son mm -hmm. of Hollywood people. He was born into the lifestyle. Yeah. I don't think he takes things. I don't think he's, he approaches things as an artist. Mm -hmm. Right. So he makes things. Right. He's a movie. I think he looks at himself as a director and a movie maker, not a writer. Yeah, I agree. Or, you know, or storyteller. And there's a difference between it. So I yeah. think he gets it. I made that movie and then I'm done. I did. I made my statement. And I'm yeah. done. And okay. then they came along and they, and they made, either they made it better or they made it worse. And now Disney calls him like, JJ, you gotta come back here and fix this. And he's <laughs> like, oh, okay, you know, if you want me to do here's my price and I'll come back and I'll fix it my way. I, I don't get the impression from him that he is some kind of, you know, that, that he holds any kind of emotional attachment to 
the work that he's done. Because look how look how easily he walked away from Star Trek. Yeah, you know. But so, he was never, you know, that was the whole thing. Though, and for, I mean, the best of the Star, Star Trek, Trek movies guy, was, was the third one. Yeah, yeah. but I, that's what I'm talking about. He's able he supposedly to was things. a Star Wars guy, though. See, supposedly Star Wars is where his heart has opened. Well, his Star always Wars at. wasn't any that any all that much better. Than no, his it was his first Star Trek. So, I mean, that's right. what I'm saying. Regardless, of the passion doesn't really have anything to do with it with him. Right. You know, he's 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 a craftsman, right? He's gonna like the guy who makes your chair, right? He makes he makes damn good chairs, but. He doesn't have any. I made that chair. All right, you sit in it. You know, well, I sat. I sat in that chair for twenty years. It broke. Can you make me another one? Okay. You know, that's not like that chair. I went to the ends of the Amazon jungle and chopped down the oldest tree for the wood for that chair. You know, it's, yeah. He doesn't. That's not. That's not his uh, connect to it. So I don't get an impression that. Um, I don't. He doesn't. He didn't react the way Ryan Johnson did. No. No, Ryan Johnson had a visceral reaction to the reaction to his stuff, which I, which which you know poured uh, gasoline on the fire. Right, right. So J.J. Abrams was like, "Look, man, you like it, you don't like. It. I got paid. I'm out. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm making my next thing." I don't think he doesn't care. There's a very big difference. Sure, but I just don't think he's got an emotional investment into these things. So I don't, I don't, and then didn't he come out and say, although, like I said, this is a Hollywood thing. Didn't he come out and say that he really wished he was directing the last Jedi because he read the script and it was amazing. That was what he pretty much said after the force awakens dropped and made $2 billion. And now he's, now he's going about his, his routine of building up the next, the next chapter for the franchise that he is part of. That's kind of the way the, the system works, right? Stand, standout scene, standout scene in this. And this, is, uh, and this ties into, the, into what you're saying. Uh, Ray and Kylo Ren trashing Darth Vader's remains. I, I, thought, I thought that's what you know, that looked yeah, like. Which probably means Kylo is going to get redeemed. It, it strikes me as anti J.J. Abrams to show that in a trailer, considering from the naked eye, it looks like something that is very obviously happening, just like you said, to does it goes against J.J.'s M.O. Maybe. Maybe right? so. I think they would have been brave if they kept kylo evil i hope they do i i don't i i just don't i don't need a redeeming well no they won't you're right they won't but i, I don't, I just, I don't need I a don't, redeeming art for him i don't i don't need to see the same thing again i just don't think that they i i don't think i don't think we're going there with that well, I, I could be wrong and hey i'll be happy about it that, I'll, that's and the i'll part. come back here to where we are right now and admit i was dead wrong that's the part that, that kills amazing. me about all these new movies is that they really had an opportunity instead of everyone sitting there saying like this is the end of the skywalker saga it's like well no we had the end of the skywalker saga and it was and it was great it was the it was the uh, you know uh, the birth of the greatest villain or, what, or arguably the greatest villain of all time and the redemption of the greatest villain we had it we had it in six films and instead of the true completion of the Skywalker saga would have been Luke Skywalker, uh, you know, having some sort of real arc, not being, you know, 
mitigate it to something, uh, you know, to kind of being uh, a secondary character. He's a secondary character if you're starting something else new. The, the, the last three movies that they did, or, or sorry, the, the last two movies plus this one that's coming out, to me could have been the start of your next six movie trilogy versus the closing, quote unquote, of the nine episode trilogy. Uh, and that to me, I think is, is always going to be the, uh, you know, the greatest. They, uh, they chase the money, man. They follow the money. When you, when you do something like Marvel and you have, um, you, you have, what do you want to call it? Like 50 years worth of stories that you mm-hmm. can pull from. The, the, the job is easy. Yeah. It's not no, the, 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 it's not easy, but the job is simple. Stick with the story. Stick with the core story elements of what you're doing. Give people a good show. Yeah. The mater- stick with the material, and the material will take you somewhere. Because the guys writing that material knew what they were doing. When you're trying to, when you come around and you try to duplicate the MCU mm-hmm. with Star Wars, but by bringing in these fledgling writers who all have dubious. And I, it, I, I, I apologize, guys, but they all have dubious writing credits in the first place. Don't apologize. They all learn, you know, they, they, they don't have, they're not Chris Claremont. They're not, you know, they're not John Byrne. You know, they, they don't have these like, like 40 years worth of experience right. of storytelling. So, you know, and then they're like, okay, we just want you to tell some really great stories about this thing, but it needs to have a through line and it needs to, you know, it needs to adhere to certain nostalgia points and also needs to adhere to um, various uh, points of uh, mythology. And it also needs to adhere to a, f- a through line for the last six movies. I know. You're going to give these people that to do. They're, they're going to fail. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna simply fail. You, got, you get one. And I'm not even saying you should have gotten Lucas. You, got, you get one guy in with an idea. Everybody agrees that's a great idea. Yeah. And we, we, we work to execute that idea, right? And then you have one through line, then you could, you could build threads on top of it. You could build on top of it. But you can't just have people just jump in and, hey, man, this was the last movie we did. You, you pick up the story like a, you know, like a right. game of telephone. You can't do that. Bringing the Emperor back. It. Yeah, bringing the Emperor back is a last-ditch effort, which I hope pays off. I really do. I hope it brings some but I mean, like. So other people have said if the Emperor is truly back and it's not an illusion or a delusion or mm-hmm. something like that because of where they are, then that means that, that solidifies the failure of our original characters, our original heroes. Because they failed to kill the Emperor. Yeah. They failed to destroy the Empire. They failed to, to, to reestablish a new Republic. They failed as parents. They failed as, as heroes. They became smugglers and, and underground generals and whatever yeah. Lando is or recluses <laughs> on... Uh, I, we don't know what Lando's going to be. Like, you right. know, we don't know if he's still a rebel general or if he's, you know... Um, or recluses on some mysterious island with fish people on it. And it's like, okay, how did this do my characters justice? Yeah, it didn't. So fine, that may be stories. Do not come and try to sell me the nostalgia aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. When you're killing these characters off, that's not what you're doing. You're not. Yeah. This is not nostalgia. Okay. So I mean, I get stories move on, characters die, characters change, heroes become villains. That all happens perfectly fine. Do it the right way. I got nothing to say to you about it. But don't murder Han Solo in one, one movie and then hire another actor to play younger Han Solo and then try to sell me a, a, a lame-ass Han Solo story, you know, after you've just murdered him <laughs> just for an emotional beat. 
and threw him off a bottom, threw him off a bridge into a bottomless pit. It, it, it. These characters mean something. You, you paid four billion dollars because they meant something. Yeah. Treat them like they mean something, and you really? did. You, th- you treated them like all we have to do is show them, and the people will come. And Real so fast. We'll see. Real fast before we go to break and get into our Watchmen review, which I'm sure will be heated. Uh, Not at who was all. the voice? I have nothing to say about Watchmen. Who was the voice? Was that Anakin at the end? I don't know. Oh, Maybe. Got a little Anakin. Maybe. There. Maybe. Well, we'll see. We will see, and we'll be doing our Star Wars event. In Everybody December. in the world is going to dissect that thing beyond all measure it'll be yes. like an alien uh you know corpse in a wreckage you know everybody's gonna take a scalpel yep. to it yeah well we so, will be we will be doing our star wars spectacular extravaganza live from funny business in Nike, new york in december uh date and time to be announced uh because we're taking a vacation bro we got two weeks off it's crazy all right when we come back who watched the watchman turns out everyone did and everyone's got an opinion what I want to feel for Ryan Johnson as a creator is that he turned in the most kick-ass Star Wars script that was going to flip the script on the entire saga. And Kathleen Kennedy and everybody else like, no, we can't do this. You know, what else you got? And then he turns into the, you know, the first draft of the Star Wars fanfic that he did when he was 15 years old. He goes, well, I got this also. And they're like, we'll make this. This is brilliant. <laughs> Secrets of the Sire. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. Again, we do this every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, talking comics, movies, TV, and pop culture. Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by all of our beloved patrons, dedicated fans, Tom Osa, Craig Caruso, Einar Peterson, Matt Beyer, Ashley Haikai, Omar Morales, Brian Phillips, who's getting married uh, Friday. So congratulations, sir, and Congrats, good luck. Brian. Uh, Steve yeah, Hovecki, Brian. our program director, Stephanie Dolce. In England. It's in England right now. It's what? Steve Hovecki oh. is in England right now. Oh, is it, is it for the Comic-Con out there, right? I think they're promoting the, uh, the, one of the Printed in Blood uh, publications well, in England right now. God save the queen. Uh, and as always, our Uber fan, Christina Dolce. All right. Been dying to talk about this. I talked about this in the, in the cold open, actually, too. Uh, I was not excited when they announced a Watchmen uh, TV series. But I was sitting there going... Kind of agreed with uh, Mike O'Neill and uh, David Rosenberg, who frequently uh, comments on our Twitter feed, which is great, um, and our sorry, our Facebook feed, and uh, and it was like, oh my gosh, not you know, why are they? They're just mining this uh, comic book series. It's going to be, I don't know, just it didn't even look very impressive. It was very dreadful. Uh, then I actually watched the first episode, and I got to tell you, I am like a hundred percent hooked. Like, unbelievably hooked for a number of reasons. Um, one, which I mentioned in the cold open. At first, and this is going to sound horrible, but whatever. I, you know, at this point, I think you and I were talking off air. I, I don't really care at, at this point. I, I'm not, I, I'm over cancel culture. So, and I think the general public is, is, is so, I, I'll be free well, to Well, that's talk the problem with cancel call. You could be over it. It doesn't mean <laughs> you won't be canceled. <laughs> I mean, with the they'll, exception... They'll still cancel. They're, but we're nobody, so we can't really be canceled. Well, I was going to say, with not, the exception of the Sire Evil trade paperback, which I mentioned earlier in the first segment, which is on Indiegogo right now, you can go to... Oh, boy. Yeah, kill time. Go ahead. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Evil, and you can go right to it. 
my God. I don't have anything else going on. So yeah, I don't, it, I don't care. Cancel culture is not going to affect us because we don't have anything to be affected by. Uh, but no, I want to talk, I want to talk real about that opening sequence and just the show in general, which I thought uh, was, was actually very, very intriguing. Um, when, I fir- when the f- first 10 minutes came on, I, I'm, I'm just being drop dead honest. Because Watchmen takes place in alternate realities, alternate Earths, alternate versions, alternate timelines, I literally thought I was watching the first 10 minutes. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is Damon Lindelof doing you know, it, it, it felt very like, well, I guess, you know, I guess he's trying to build up this analogy or this allegory for race relations. He's bringing race relations in and, and in a way he is, don't get me wrong. I had no idea it was based off a real historical event that the first 10 minutes was the, was the Tulsa massacre of 1921. Didn't even know that existed. Um, Unless we're all, you know, in the Matrix right now, and it's a piece of history that was inserted into Wikipedia, which I guess we would never know if it was. Apparently, this was a real thing, and it was horrifying. And after reading that, I gained an even greater level of respect for what Lindelof was able to do by showing that piece of history that we just didn't know about. It, to me, it it. it it took off the table. Well, don't say we. You didn't. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, right. me. Okay. Me. Uh, I don't know. It, All right. It, it took I'm off. Just, just making sure the we, so I don't get canceled by my own. It, no. Well, I, well, here's the thing. I'm, I, I'm actually <laughs> like super praising the idea of what he did there because what he actually did was bring to light something that I had no idea had happened. I had no idea existed. Was not in any conventional history book that I'd ever re- read about. Um, and just by, like the uh <clears throat> never mind keep going well the tuskegee <laughs> airmen too i mean that was another story that we didn't really learn about until uh filmmakers actually did something about it to me it was the greatest example of what art can do which is like which isn't and the draft riots and uh, i mean there have been there have been a number of uh uh you know like really horrendous moments of civil unrest uh, sure. aimed at particular groups of people. Yeah. You know? No, so it was actually um, able to not only uh, be entertaining, but when I originally thought to myself, like, oh my gosh, this feels... Pandering is not the right word, but my initial reaction to that opening scene was... I don't understand why... Every, you know, that's, that's, that's the curse of our current atmosphere, yeah. is that every, every attempt to do anything... This is this is the, the the biggest piece of consternation about it. If you if you show the moon landing, mm-hmm. are you pandering? Are, 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 is, are they pandering to white people? You know, for you know Neil Armstrong landing on the moon. You know, or you know they got the movie Midway coming out. Are they pandering to uh, you know World War Two veterans? Um, you know, or, or to, you know, like, like, I don't understand, like every time there's a depiction of someone who is Again, I did not use the word pandering. In fact, I said it's not, no, I said it's not pandering. I said said, pandering is not the right word. You said it in context of, of like, of having to recorrect in, in thinking that, no, this is not, because that's, that was the initial thought. 
I thought it was over. I thought originally it was over the top messaging mm. versus versus what it actually was, which was depicting something that I had not known had actually existed, um, and and bringing historical and bringing light to some historical event that has great context into what uh, we may or may not be experiencing today. Uh, in that in that in that vein, it, it it was also something by by to me having an event like that kind of, you know, put in front of me and then finding out, oh my God, this really did happen. Like there was, um, you know, that was, that was, it was big. Uh, okay. I don't know. This is why I don't, this is why I don't want to talk about, I don't know what to say about that. You know, like, okay. I, no, I I'm just you. saying I'm, I'm applauding what he I did. I get you, but I mean, like, you would have thought it was pandering. I would have thought if, if it was... If, 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 if it, it was, wasn't real, you know? Right. So it's like, why? If I didn't think it was real, then I would have... I literally would have just... I, I would have thought that he was constructing some sort of, you know, pseudo-commentary uh, that is... Because Watchmen... Look, Watchmen is an alternate reality. You have Robert Redford as the president. You have... Um, you have, obviously, Nixon was president. You know, there's only, what is it? You know, there's two presidents for the past 30 years. You know, there's all this stuff where it's like, don't, um, you know, I just figured it was one of those, one of those things where it was, it was, it didn't have the same kind of impact, I guess, is, is really what it came down to. And then finding out that it was something that was real. I don't want to harp completely on this opening event. I, I didn't want to talk about it at all. No, but I. But look, okay. It's, look, it was a, <laughs> okay. It was a major thing. It was a major. I just don't. I don't get that. I mean, I've been hearing that left and right. Like it's either, either. I mean, you are. You didn't use the word pandering, but I've been hearing about like pandering and you know, like wokeness and whatever. Every time that's anybody who is depicted in anything who's either a woman or a person of color or something like that, it's a pander. So like, then everything is pandering. In a, in, a, in a sense, you know, no, every because, every, what it every is, depiction. No, because the, the whole the whole reason why something might be pandering now is because of the political um, uh, chatter that goes on. That 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 there's a lot of the, groups the, that are I mean, the, saying this needs to that, happen and this needs to happen, and then the art is now it's not. But we're already talking about that. Like, d didn't we talk about like the fact that clickbaiting is making is 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 yes. uh, polarizing everything? So yes, the chatter that goes on around something isn't the fault. If you like, the people who discuss the art in the in the gallery mm -hmm. are not are are not people who get to dictate what that art is. You know, and so. When you get when you get a piece of art, and you get fifty people around, and they say, "Oh, this obviously is again. This is this is a, a you know a, a statement against fascism." Whether or not the artist actually intended for that to be, then suddenly that's taken as gospel because fifty people around it were talking about it, and then people are like, "Well, this guy shouldn't be allowed to paint if he's going to keep painting these subversive paintings and 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 inflicting them on us." Right. Mean, meanwhile. You know, the, the artist never got a chance to talk about anything that, that what, whatever the intention was. And the art, the, the, the image, one person decided what that image meant and then spread it like a disease, spread the, spread the, 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 the hysteria like a disease right. of what his impression was. And suddenly that's all we're talking about. Right. And, and no one is, you know, that, that's pandering. That's what pandering is. That's the, 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 the piece itself isn't pandering. 
the 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 hysteria around it is pandering. We are being pandered. Our our rage is being pandered to. Mm. It's being provoked by people who know that what these hot buttons are. Right. And so the 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 cure for that is not to not to respond to the hot buttons. Not to not to have hot buttons in in, in general about these yes. things. You know. But I mean. That's that's why these discussions always make no sense. We're not really talking about. We're still you and I are still not even talking about the actual no. incident. So let's talk depicted. about let's oh, well, a show in and of itself. Well, let's talk. We're about not the show. talking about the history of it. We're talking about the fact that we didn't know it, and then all of our impressions because of it, and and uh, you know how how it works into the milieu of whatever our day to day, whatever. It, it's it's that's where the hysteria is is perpetuated. Yeah. So I mean, look, it, the show itself. I don't know what I don't. Oh, man, I want to swear so bad. I don't freaking know what the <laughs> hell that show is is supposed to be about. And I'm sure uh, a couple episodes in, it will. You, you know, did eventually. You did eventually read the graphic novel, correct? Of, yeah, I read the. Okay. I read the graphic. No, no, I, I hadn't know the, read the I know graphic. The, right, I hadn't read it. When I saw the movie, right? I, I saw I the movie that. before. I, yeah, I know. I remember. I remember you finding out about that. Yes, I fired you discussion. and then I rehired you because you know apparently that I, was years. I, bro- I broke years some unemployment before we had a show. You, you know. fired me before we even had a show. Okay, because <laughs> we had a discussion in the Palisades Mall when we were coming out of the Palisades Mall, and I was like, "Oh, that's great!" And you were like, "Oh, they changed the ending," and I'm like. I don't know what was what was, the, what was the original ending, and you were like, "Oh, you didn't read the book," and I'm like, "No, no." And then you were like, "Oh, you." you. So I guess you fired me there. Yes, because you read me the riot act while we were while in front of the in front and of with the movie good cause. theater, and with good cause. Ah, maybe, maybe it is a seminal work, and I had not read it. So yes, I have read it. I have since read it in V for Vendetta and all the other. And yeah, the, you know the Dark Knight Returns. I read. I had read the Dark Knight Returns and uh, Year One and yeah. Kingdom Come. I had read all those by then. By the way, just to my defense, I had okay. not read Watchmen. Watchmen was very dense, though. That was that's a very dense book to get into, especially by the time I came around to it, and um, uh, you know, it was being highly recommended to me by other people, and they just everybody's handing me this this giant. Because <laughs> it was, you know, you, you can't take it in um, in 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 a separate issue form. After a while, you can only get it right. in graphic novel form. So it was like it's some it's like someone handing you the the comic book equivalent of like the Bible. Right, there, read this, you know, and, and tell me what <laughs> you think about this, you know, in 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 two weeks. So it was really dense. Um, I didn't like the art when I was young. Oh man, I know. It's when I look at it now, it's fantastic but and when i was younger i was you know I was if you guy. notice also the, if you notice the image stuff you guys coming through skylights and mm-hmm. you know like double page spreads all over the place like you had to have that if you didn't have that you weren't doing anything in the night if, if right? you notice if you notice uh, uh dave gibbons is the only credited uh yes yes guy on this uh alan yes. moore what a surprise what a surprise alan moore was has walked away from well i mean look whatever they're so trying to the do, reason the reason i brought up did you read the graphic novel uh was to a confirm that you did but b also is the fact that there the thing that i do like about this is uh, spoiler alert the end of the graphic novel ends with rorschach's journal ending up in 
Uh, and this, yeah. this, by the way, this is a sequel, not to the movie. This is a sequel to uh, the graphic novel um, that I, I did read that. The, yeah, because, well, it, it kind of demonstrates that by the reign yeah. of uh, Right, of which at first I was like, what the heck's this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So, but it ends <laughs> up in the um, offices of the New Frontier, the Daily, whatever it is. I think it was called the New Frontier. Mm-hmm. And Veidt, Adrian Veidt is talking to Dr. Manhattan. He goes, well, in the end, did it, you know, what happened? And, and you know, did, it, did I win? Did it, did it work? And, and uh, Dr. Manhattan says, uh, you know, nothing ever ends. And that's you know, kind of, kind of like the, the, you know, the thing about that, that's so great. So to me, this is obviously, it, it feels, and this is a big nod to Trent Reznor, who did the score, by the way, uh, the music, the whole vibe of the show feels like the graphic novel. There's something about it. It's on edge. There's, you know, race was not a big factor in the original graphic novel, but that being said, this is now 30 years after the graphic novel. So, well, there was no rate because there was only one black person in the entire book. So, <laughs> no, but I'm saying the kid who was reading the, the, the yes. comic book next to the, and the guy stand. who owned the, the newsstand too. He was black guy. Oh no, no, no. The science, no, the, uh, the psychiatrist, the psychiatrist. Yes. The psychiatrist was also, was also a, uh, was also a black man, but that's not the, that's not the point. The that point, was, the point on it. the eighties was to talk about uh, the growing nuclear, Mm-hmm. Uh, proliferation proliferation yeah. and the concern that that eventually it was going to overtake us all that was the whole purpose of the original graphic novel so now turning it into this is this is this is the other thing i don't understand this 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 hysteria about let's get politics out of our art read dark knight read oh sure read watchmen there's nothing but politics i mean that's what makes those books so fantastic but that's what made the opening of this, I think, so significant to me because at the at, it was not telling you what to think. It was it was merely opening your eyes to something. It made me want to research. You, nothing is telling you what to you, think. You can tell, and this is where the no, pandering. No, 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 this is this You is, can this is, always tell. Listen to how you're about to phrase this. When something no. is trying no. to make you believe something versus allowing you to have a discussion about it and to come to it, come me to an examples. understanding. Give me an example of something making you believe something versus something that's opening a discussion for you. Off the top of my head, I will not be able to do that because that is not, I don't, I can't think of things. Usually I will, I don't watch stuff or read stuff that I immediately will detect and say, eh, this is, this is clearly this artist is influenced by this. This artist is influenced by that. Nick Spencer's Nick Spencer is a good, is a good example. Uh, I think I think his anti whether whether you are pro Trump, neutral on Trump or anti Trump, you can go read his uh, his Captain America run and everything is representative of Trump being, um, you know, his his political views are are infused in that in a way that is overt and obvious and is in is overtly and obvious. And again, more so overt and obvious than, say, uh, uh, Frank Miller's views on Reagan during uh the dark night the difference between the 80s and now though is social media and the difference oh, between the 80s the and now difference between the 80s and now is that you're living now and you were a child in the 80s no, that's and you true. didn't know what that stuff uh, was going on agreed that you're not going to tell me that that people were not thinking oh this guy is trying to tell me how to think it's no one no one's telling you how to think they're telling you how they think yes 
And then so you either you either choose to accept how they think or you don't, but they're not nobody's trying to make you think in any particular way. Even when they're telling mm, you, Mike, if I look true. at you and say, Michael, you have to watch this movie because it's the greatest movie in the world. I'm not trying to make you think the way I think. I'm just vehemently explaining to you how powerful I found this particular piece of I information. That is- and I want you to and I want you to experience it yourself. But that's I- not me saying you need to think this way. I think you need to agree with me. And here's a good example too, right? Star Trek, where John Cho's character is in a same-sex relationship. When my dad had no context to that, except he knew that George Takai uh, is an out homosexual, he actually kind of shrugged it off and laughed when he saw it because he says, oh, that's kind of cute. It was a nod to George Takai. I see what they did there. However, the response to that in a lot of ways was when John Cho went on his marketing media tour, it actually negatively impacted people's views of that because there was, again, this belief that Mm, there's a a pulpit. There's that comment. There's that comment. What comment? There's this belief that they're not – if you – if you say to me that Star Trek, so, so no one, no one wrote anything about this. No one wrote so so clearly. Anytime I read, if I read articles or I read something that looks like that, uh, that whole in your mind that never holds validity in an argument. Oh, these people think this, and people no. I'm telling you, there is a general consensus. I believe that those people believe that. I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. I am saying the the film was not trying to sell you anything. That's but, what I'm saying. But, but if the actor who is in the film who, and, and the director is going there saying, yes, we did this so that people would do this, well, that is them trying to sell you an idea. We did this so that people would do what? What, did, what, was, the, what was the saying? What was the comment? When, they, when, John, the when John Cho, his, his major thing is, well, I want this to be a, part, uh, I want this to be a time when this doesn't even ex- you know, have, you know, why, why does this have to be even discussed and spoken about? I can't wait for a time when this is a non-issue and this and that. Um, okay, or, so or, how, is that, how is that any more of a sale than... I'm not say, reading his quotes directly. I, all right, I'm trying to I'm trying to paraphrase. I, yeah, it. then I don't understand. But they're trying to sell. I am okay. substantiating it because you're, you you can't you, substantiate it with a. You will comment. only accept Hassan. You will only accept an mm-hmm. argument when when you can literally point out Article Five X. I'm literally no, no, paraphrasing no, no. for you. No, no, you're you've got that backwards. You're, you present things as an argument as as a cogent, uh, tangible piece of 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 an argument or a tangible point of view because several people share that point of view but then you can never substantiate the several people that share that point of view and then whenever i, I ask just you, gave you examples yes you just asked me and you asked me for two and i just gave you two i just gave you two examples i know but i'm i disagree with the examples what are you, what are you talking about <laughs> I just, I would, all no, roads I, all roads what, okay so your, hold on hold on hold on hold on what is your logic what is what is your logic that you you presented me with a with a cogent argument and then therefore I'm supposed to be convinced, or I'm I, I'm supposed to react to the argument that you gave me? I, which I'm, is merely, what you did. I'm merely saying you you you're, you're setting up everything as if you're you're you're, you're misunderstanding that I am not. I said you said 
you said uh, you said they're selling you something. Yeah. And then you said that you you brought up the example of Sulu being gay in Star Trek Beyond, right? Mm-hmm. And then I said, okay, well, how's that selling you something? And you said because John Coe said X. And so I said, well, what did John, John Coe say? John Coe or John Cho? I don't know. I, whatever he says. I, I said, well, what did he say? And then you said, well, I can't tell you exactly what he said. So I'm like, well, okay. So then that's... Yeah, but I that said... Was the, that's I, a I was paraphrasing. But I'm like, okay, yeah. But how is that... How is... So, so are they selling phasers also? Are they selling Klingons? I mean, like, it's a, it's a fantasy world. When how are they? How are you? How is it being sold to you during a marketing tour? During a marketing tour, I know. And then what did I say? They are are literally. How did this this discussion start? How did this discussion start? It's the ancillary media that goes around the piece of art that gets judged as the piece of art, but the piece of art itself is not doing anything. It's it's all the ancillary material that goes around it. Yes, we've had this conversation yes. a thousand times. Well, then, if, then you discuss the ancillary material. You don't discuss the piece because the piece isn't saying anything. The piece basically showed a man and another man holding hands and talking to a little girl walking off into the distance. That is the extent of the homosexual lifestyle Correct. that is sold to you in Star Trek Beyond. Right Correct. now, if you have an issue with homosexuals that will be a problem for you. But it's not selling you a lifestyle. It's not, it's even, it didn't you even mention it out loud. With, it didn't even mention it. with the marketing around it, before you go, before you go. That's intellectual dishonesty because that is not Before you go and see the piece of work. That's like, not the argument you're making. You're making, now you're making the argument about the, the, the marketing it's, around it's like, it. Which it's was like the, if you, if you, hear about a song before you hear it and before you get that to the lyrics and interpret it in your own way. We were having five minutes ago, if though. you get to interpret it a different way before you get a chance to actually hear it and see it or listen to it, you know, it, it obviously and then what did I say? On different you gotta, and then you gotta are, decide not to be not to be I, triggered by the hot buttons, right? Didn't yes. I say that earlier? Yes. So it's these hot button things that people are trying to get you to do because they're pandering to yes. whatever uh, various outrages that you have. Correct. Right? So then Correct. you got to ignore your outrages or you got to ignore the material altogether. But the art itself and is that not being to blame said, for these things. That being said, I thought the first episode of Watchmen uh, transcended all of what you are talking about. Uh, to me, it was, it was a continuation of the graphic novel in a very intelligent, uh, sophisticated and extreme. I don't see how I don't I don't I don't see how it was in any way in a continuation of Watchmen. I'm sure no, in the it, next it few was. episodes. I'm sure in the next few episodes it will be more of a cohesive attachment to yeah. whatever the, the previous material. But what I saw there, if I had, if it did wasn't called Watchmen and the owl wasn't in it, the you know the the mm-hmm. the, the Hermes whatever, it, I would not have. I've made no connection Oof. to it. Well, Archimedes, excuse me. I would, have made, quit. Yeah. I would have made absolutely no connection to it because. Oh, not even. And, and then a little, the little clip of uh, Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Yes, Ozzy Mendez may or may not have been in, in, the, in right. the show. 
um, basically with his robot. Either he's a robot or his two companions right. are robots, which I'm right. leaning on his two companions being robots. Right. Because of, because of the weird manipulations that guy's up to. But I don't know. Yeah. I think... I, I Look, it's a piece of genius. I don't know if I like it. <laughs> That's fair. But it's a piece of genius, you know, in, in, the, in the sense that it is probably the bravest thing I've ever seen Lindelof do. Because even though he is, again, adapting previous material, pre-established material mm-hmm. and again he's like you know he's wishy-washy on what his intent is whenever they talk to him and he's wishy-washy yeah. about the end and he ends things terribly and he sucks at a lot of stuff in my personal opinion but this is probably the most um the most ambiguous thing attempt at something that he's ever tried to do this just strikes me probably as yeah. his probably his most honest desire to tell a story because he in no way is being obvious about anything. So that's that in and of itself, because of, because of who we're talking about. Sure. That's significant. Yeah. No, um, I, thought I don't know was... if I liked it because it's another, you know, it, it, it's well, just another I, thing that's going to get us all fuck pulling <laughs> knives at each other. And, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not interested in having knife fights with people about this. Well, stuff, according but. to deadline, according to deadline, uh, the premiere drew 1.5 yeah, million viewers. Really well. Strongest we'll digital just, debut for HBO since Westworld. Um, so we the see question, how that went, right? <laughs> question of who watches the Watchmen, uh, apparently everybody. Uh, my, my last comment before we go to break, uh, the only thing I didn't like and this is my own personal, this has nothing to do with the politics of it actually at all, is that Rorschach ended up being the symbol for white supremacy. Well, he was, though. In the graphic novel? Mm -hmm. If you read his journal, he was anti-immigrant, he was was anti-gay, he was anti... Uh, He was very much so. Valid. Very valid in that sense. And his entire speech in the beginning about this, you know, the cesspool falling, into, falling apart and, you know, the people always cry out for help and I'll say no. It's very manifesto-ish. Well, yes, very manifesto-ish. I get why he is. I guess, I guess what I was saying was the reason I didn't like it is, I, you know, I love Rorschach as a character. You love his, his uh, vigilantism. So, it's so like everybody loves him, Wolverine, but Wolverine correct. is a freaking mass murderer so i mean <laughs> i mean we the love best. him he's the best like we love john does. wick and he murders people on a regular right, basis doesn't right. necessarily mean no right he, you right. love him because he has good lines he has good one-liners and he's powerful he doesn't take any crap he's like you know like in braveheart right. where the guy was talking about right. a wallace and he said uncompromising men are easy to admire right because the right. guy's not going to change his point of view for anybody right but it doesn't mean he's a good guy. It doesn't mean he's... No, right. I mean, that's you know. my point. He was just one of my favorite characters. So to see his mask be the representation, but you actually make a very valid point uh, in terms of why that is. And again, I'm not even knocking the decision. I, I know it's going to make sense and, and we're going to learn about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm open to why he is seeing that. But there was still a part of me that goes, ah, damn, he was my favorite character in Watchmen. And it's like, well, can't root for that now. <laughs> you know, it's you like, still root for it. I mean... Well, I'm not rooting for white supremacist. You're not. You're rooting for Rorschach. Yeah, but he's dead. So, spoiler. Then what was the point of this conversation? End the segment. <laughs> End the segment. End it. <laughs> Done when, with this segment. When we come back, we go spinning the racks. 
It's a heated last segment. Gotta love it. Another heated segment every well, week. This is my last show. <laughs> it's about time. Get out of this chicken. Chicken. We do this every outfit. week. We go spinning the racks. Spin the rack. Spin the rack. Spin the rack. Kevin Feige runs Marvel Comics. So now what? Uh, this was this was rumored for a while, uh, but then I lovely I, I lovingly got a uh, you lovely I lovely <laughs> you, love, you're love, very love, lovely I lovingly got an email in my inbox from Comics Beat. So this is taken right from Heidi McDonald's uh, Comics Beat newsletter, which is fantastic. Obviously, it's been run on multiple other outlets since then, but uh, I like I like I like keeping the comic book roots here, especially for Spin the Racks. Um, welcome to the coldest take on the week's biggest news. This happened last week. Uh, Kevin Feige will be taking over Marvel Publishing, uh, along with television, as his port- as part of his portfolio with the added title of Chief Creative Officer. Uh, two things that became clear the more we talked to people. This is from Heidi McDonald. This move had been in the works for a while, and it was aimed more at the TV side of things, with the comic publishing side more of a bonus uh, prize for Feige. Uh, the newsletter continued, Marvel Publishing will definitely move to Burbank at some point in the unspecified future, which is interesting for our friends who are at Marvel. Uh, wow. Ryan Panagos... Uh, yeah, wow. Purden, Ricky Purden, I feel really bad for because he was at DC, and then mm-hmm. DC and moved, moved. moved to LA, and he managed to snag a position at Marvel, so he didn't have to move anywhere. Uh, Darren, and so Darren, Darren like Sanchez a- as well too. Darren will Darren will welcome the opportunity because he he's he's. He's got. He's an empty nester. All three of his kids are out of the house. <laughs> but that's that's. It's kind of crazy just to uproot and yeah. it's like, oh, we want we want them all to be here, you know. Yeah. And it's like, why would you? Why would you consolidate everything? And then that means that your 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 influence and your reach is going to yeah. be that much more diminished. You I, know? Mean, I mean, that's, look how well it's working for Warner Brothers. You know, yeah. it didn't exactly. The th- the thing about it though That's is crazy. Uh, this is more speculation at this point, according to Heidi McDonald. So it's not necessarily something that's going to happen. But the option is more than on the table, and it's been in a while. So we'll keep keep an eye on that for you know our own personal connections to the company. Uh, but again, this is not a surprise. Um, most of Marvel TV has been winding down. Legion uh, ended its run. Uh, Marvel TV had a very public misfire in ABC's Inhumans uh, that was canceled. Probably yeah. the only it, Inhumans probably the biggest fail. For Marvel, right? That's because of Perlmutter, right? That isn't that isn't that uh, um isn't that oh Ike Perlmutter? Yes, yeah, was disliked. Isn't that by strongly Spike. strongly blamed on him? The, 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 Iger, the yeah. fate the fate of the television. He's he's uh, the the Marvel genre. chairman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and supposedly he he hamstrung the uh, the the television. Yeah division or something like that and it got taken right. down because originally it was it would, when it was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was just starting and the the Netflix shows were just starting it was definitely definitely sold to us as all being under the same umbrella but it wasn't well it, it eventually it, it, wasn't right. I think there was there was some consternation uh, mm-hmm. along the way and then it just it, it they just never tied those, yeah. those threads together um the Gifted was canceled after two seasons. Uh, live action New Warriors project it was supposed to go straight to freeform. That got canceled. Uh, animated Deadpool with uh, Donald and Stephen Glover uh, that fell apart. And Ghost Rider with uh, Gabriel Luna also, you know, fell apart, citing creative differences. Um, you know, 
the result uh, is a slate Marvel's two current live action shows are Runaways and Cloak and Dagger. The latter show ended its second season with no word yet if it will receive a third. So uh, Marvel TV I think the had, Runaways is I, okay. No, the Runaways is just starting their second season. Yeah, right? and and they're on they're at Hulu, and Hulu is going to be Marvel's like mature line. I know you sent me the article about uh, mm-hmm. Jessica Jones and Charlie Cox maybe continuing on. I saw the same thing with Wilson. And I know there's a crossover between the Runaways and um, and Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. So, I mean, they're whatever they're gonna, whatever they're trying to do. They're still, mm-hmm. they're still very much trying to do it there. Yeah, I mean, this is all from the TV side of things. We understood obviously with uh, San Diego Comic Con going into big depth about the um, uh, Disney Plus shows, WandaVision and Loki, and all this stuff, and then it's really building off of the movies now. Um, you know, Feige taking over that is kind of, uh, you know, just is what it is. If he can, if he can keep up the energy, I yeah, mean, you know. I know. That's a lot of work. I know. You know if he's gonna be, uh, if he's gonna, he's gonna spread himself through. I mean, we don't know because we don't know what it's like to do but any of that stuff. But back I mean, if to he the... spreads himself too thin, it could just be as, or it could be just as disastrous. Well, well, that's why they say like the publishing end, and that's why we're you know saving this for a spin the rack segment. Why the publishing plans seem to be just kind of like an added bonus. Um, there is, uh, you know, does he even? Like periodical comics, they ask, uh, I'm told Feige does seem to have a real reverence for the legacy of the print origins and those who created it, which is kind of obvious in his work, I would imagine. Uh, disputes with the Marvel Creative Committee aside, he has strong working relationships with uh, Dan Buckley and Joe Quesada, who has the current title of Exec VP Creative Director. Uh, Marvel publisher John Nee is not mentioned, but I'm told he's still in place. Uh, so is Santa Amanat and C.B. Sibolsky, who are also still in place. Uh, the most likely scenario is that Marvel Comics will run much as before, with maybe a little more direct input as an R&D department for the MCU. Uh, that still leaves uh, Ike Perlmutter, which you mentioned earlier, in charge of the purse string. Mm-hmm. However, and while he can't legally be entirely banished, he's being painted into an increasingly smaller corner at Marvel. Um, so no big changes just yet. But I think the biggest change would be the location change, uh, again, for a lot of our creators. But, you know, most of the stuff is done outside of, you know, a central bullpen. There hasn't really been a central bullpen. I mean, it's not like the Stan Lee and, you know, John Romita and, you know, Jack Kirby days where everyone's kind of working in the same building anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Most people are kind of scattered. But, I mean, I'm curious with something like say house of X, right. And the new X-Men yeah. series, the new Excalibur, you know, which you liked, right. Ultimately yes. as it, as it wrapped itself up, you, yes. you ultimately liked it. A lot well, of people, I loved it. I loved it. I oh, actually, excuse me. I, yeah. I think there, I, I think that it's, uh, it, it has some inherent continuity flaws, but what doesn't, but what it, as, I think as it, we talked about those particular little things, yeah. those little niches. But what I liked about it was it, 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 it actually felt, uh, it felt grand. It felt permanent. And it, and it also kind of explained away a lot of the deaths that we had seen. Well, now there's, there's this, uh, you know, immortal, immortal X-Men, you know, people and whether or not that's going to really hold true or not, you know, I this, haven't read it. Oh, I haven't finished it yet, but okay. <laughs> what, which one are you up to? Huh? Which I, one I just haven't finished the series yet. Oh, you didn't get to the to the bubble, the balls, balls, no, gold balls. All right. You were talking about something other than that. I I, I just said you liked it. We don't need to go into it. I thought <laughs> you finished it. I haven't finished it. Just keep uh, moving. All right. Keep so, it moving. 
The reason I liked it, but it's, it's increasingly interesting to see now, okay, with X-Men entering the Marvel Universe, like how cohesive is this going to be? The way I always view the comics, um, and we'll see, you know, I mean, DC, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do that, though. I understand it, what you're saying, if they're resetting or retooling the universe yeah. so that they can make it more, more cinematically favorable. Aligned. But you're the, the average fan. Yeah. Now you got you got an audience out there who are in love with not only the original X Men, the cartoon X Men, um, and the and the movie, the cinematic X Men verse, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now you're gonna you're gonna toss in this brand new storyline that just happened, that just hit. Now it's very popular with comic book fans, yeah, but not in mainstream, and no. that's just because of the medium in and of itself, not yeah, because of any popularity. So. You know, I don't know if they're gonna if they're if they're gonna just flip the script on the entire genre, right? Just to just to accommodate this comic book, uh, this this recent comic book flip, the reboot, mm-hmm. and kind of maybe potentially alienate everybody else who are like Logan fans and people yeah. who are in you know Days of Future Past and stuff. Now everybody, all of them know that their sh- their movies will be rebooted that those movies yeah. have ended mm-hmm. and they're aware of the the fact that those movies are going to be rebooted but i mean to reboot them and then just say mm, you know everything you used to know none of that's real and you know Moira is immortal and you know like the, yeah. like little little things like that i don't know if i don't know if you'd risk that marketing wise no but you know the way i always looked at the comics though was that it is a um it's a, I don't want to use the word minor leagues, but it's essentially a staging ground for new ideas to do it in a very, I mean, to I us agree. it's expensive, but to the movie people, it's very cheap to put, you know, 10 grand I agree. into a comic book to see, you know, to see. So really if it's a six issue run, you're putting 60 grand into, into developing uh, new characters, new plot lines, new storylines that could eventually translate into billion dollar, you know, 60 grand to make a billion, you know what I mean? So yeah. You know, even if they have a miss, like let's say a series costs 120 grand, you're making most of that money back anyway just by selling books. So it's not like you're really losing 120 grand. You're investing 120 grand into a 12 issue run of a series. You're breaking even essentially. So you're basically spending nothing to make a, to potentially make a billion dollars uh, later on. I mean, I think that's in, you know, in, in theory, it works like that in theory. Like yeah. Hopefully that's yeah. If you could arrange, way. if you could, if you could uh, arrange an assembly line of of product and uh, product and durability, you know, durability and um and and testing, product yeah. testing, mm-hmm. you know, like that. Um, that and viability. Yeah. Me, that's the word I was looking for. Um, then yeah, that would be that would be a very lucrative system if you could set it up. Unfortunately. Yeah. Like like we've been talking about with uh, with Warner Brothers, they haven't been able to. I mean, Warner Brothers has had to drop on the MCU yeah. for almost a decade, right? Yeah. And they, you know, yep. the MCU had to come along and establish a program to yeah. show them exactly, you know, how that that system would work. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, you know? no, a lot we'll of times the, the very the logical and the obvious is not the choice that anybody makes for some reason. Real quick before we go. Trent Reznor soundtrack, Watchmen. How great was it? Come on. Uh, if you're a Nine Inch Nails fan, it's really great. I actually really thought to myself, A, it, fe- it sounded like Fight Club to me. A lot of the music reminded me of like Fight Club scenes, which I thought was awesome. Uh, and then 
B, I was like, wow, this this guy, whoever, I mean, whatever, whoever. And I, and I saw in the credits, I saw Trent Reznor. I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't really comment on any of this stuff yet. I okay. have to see, I have to see, like, and I'm not even talking about, like, I don't want to talk about it. No, <laughs> just, just the score, just the score. I know, but I, I, I really didn't, I watched it rapidly. Okay. You know, for a particular reason. Anyway, and so I didn't get a chance to absorb the, the soundtrack. And also, I just need to, I need to see it again, and I need to see a couple more episodes to see where it's going. I, mm. I, I recognize it is quality made. Yeah. Um, I, I, like, I like the lead of the, I like the two leads. I like Don Johnson. I, I like yeah. the <laughs> um, He made such a great movie once. There's a, there's a great Don Johnson movie I'm going to give a shout out to called Dead Bang. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite Donja. And it was many years ago. It was like, yeah. like 25 years ago, but it's a fantastic. He's incredible in it. I've always liked Don Johnson. Um, so I'm kind of sad. About that. But I'm sure he'll be back in flashbacks and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, because they're, they're definitely going to have to go back and explain. It was a bold move. This stuff. Yeah. It was bold move. Nah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Move, but it's, 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 it is and it isn't because it's very contemporary. It's very post Game of Thrones ish, mm-hmm. bad. You know, oh, deal with it. You know, kind of, yeah. you know, checkmate. You gotcha. You know, and and it's um, you, know, you know, for me, very post Game of Thrones, post um, post Walking Dead kind of circumstance. It wasn't the question that he died. It was the sorry spoilers. It was the question of I thought he was going to get blown to bits. Like there was so many times where I'm like, oh, he's dead. Up, oh, up, oh, he's going to get. He's good. Oh. Wow! No, he made it. Yeah, he was like, he was, oh, yeah, no, he died. Because those are those are those little red herrings where yeah, it's like, oh, there yeah. it is. Here, oh, I like I, it. and then when you get to a certain point, it's like, oh, I guess he's all right. You know, I guess yeah. he's safe. We're gonna be, we're gonna walk through the whole thing with him. Oh, no, we're not. No, we're not. But next, um, next week we'll continue our conversation with Watchmen because episode two will be on, and oh, I don't know boy. what else is going on. We will also pre- Terminator. <laughs> you, you Terminator. Talk about it. New Terminator. That's another thing. Yeah. Looks kind of yeah. good. All right. See you guys next week.